Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Welcome, welcome. What a joy it is to be with you here today, and we appreciate you tuning in, whether you're listening on the radio or uh, live stream or even checking out the broadcast later on through Facebook and or the radio station's website. It, it is a delight to be with you here today, and uh, we appreciate all of our listeners from uh, Salt and Light as well as our Back to Basics crowd. Um, that's on at a different time and then certainly on Sundays, but uh, it is just a, a blessing to be saved. I'd Amen. like to welcome a very special guest with us, um, no stranger to Salt and Light, Pastor Justin Kimmer, pastor of Southview Baptist Church here in Statesville, also uh, uh, Southview uh, Christian School. And so uh, it is a delight to have you with us here today, Brother Justin. It's uh, been uh, maybe a month and a half that you were on the broadcast, in all honesty, Time has flown by. It seems like it was two weeks ago. Yes, but, amen. Um, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Last time you were here, we were talking about those big bucks that you killed. And yeah. so what, what, what do you got to talk about today? We, we didn't get a chance before the, the broadcast here to, to catch up. So uh, what do you got to talk about here today? <laughs> well, I was, actually, uh, I was actually to tag out another deer in North Carolina. So no I way. So pictures. <laughs> Man. So the school, I uh, was able to have three tags in three different states and thank the Lord for the opportunity. But uh, now I've kind of switched over as far as the, the sportsman side of things. Uh, been able to fish a little bit, uh, bass fishing. Okay, and, cool. Um, but as far as um, that goes, you know, it's been few and far between because ministry keeps you very, very busy. Yeah. And um, but, but that flannel shirt you're wearing is hey, not a costume. You are the real deal. Yeah, I mean, this goes with it day yeah, in and day yeah. out. Hey, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but uh, yeah, we and I don't know about you, but just there's been so much sickness and stuff going through, mm, and people yeah. dealing with things and and surgeries there at the church, and so many people are affected by so many things. But I'm very thankful to be able to get out and be able to get some rest mentally and pray and. And uh, when we do be able to get outside and enjoy God's creation. Yeah, that's a blessing. Uh, you are so right about sickness. We've had a rash of that at <clears throat> Temple Baptist, not only sickness, but then, you know, even some of the weather situations that we've been dealing Absolutely. with on Sundays, whether it be uh, cold or rainy or snow, some of our um, some of our mature Christians, mm -hmm. uh, the ones that have uh, been saved a long time and been around, and it's a little bit more difficult for them to get out when the weather's not so good, and we certainly understand that. Absolutely. We always miss them when they're not in the service, uh, but uh, we certainly understand, and we had a Sunday like that this past Sunday where we actually had, uh, I think, four families with kids that were out of town. Oh, yeah. And so you have to deal with that, not just in the summertime, but anymore. You got to deal with that throughout the winter and any given weekend. People go out of town. We have a, a Sunday night. We have a kids lesson. Mm -hmm. And so before we have the right before the special music and the preaching and what I call all the kids up front. And usually we have 
the the two front middle pews full of kids. <laughs> I said, it's time for a kids lesson. Come on down. And we have a little song that we play while they're marching down front. And so <laughs> I had four kids this past <laughs> Sunday night. And so I had a little bit of fun with them. I said, I said, what'd you kids do with everybody else? Right. <laughs> and so we had some fun, but it was just kind of one of those perfect storms. But uh, uh, our ministry's going well. We've got some good things going on. How are things uh, going at Southfield? Going great. I just thank the Lord for what he's doing there in so many different different avenues uh, with the church and uh, also with the school. You know, it's wide open and uh, already planning for the upcoming year, you yeah. know, because before before we know it, you know, it's it's here. I'm talking about the school year. Next and, three uh, months are just yeah. going to fly by. And it's, you know, it's hammered down at this time. And But I thank the Lord for uh, his wisdom. Thank the Lord for um, uh, great people that are around me. Uh, you know, I'm all about us serving together. It's not about me. It's about all of us working together in the unity yeah. of Christ and trusting him and uh, moving forward. I like I like to see progress, and so does the Lord, you know. And even when things come up in life, you know, we can't stop. We just got yeah. to continue to grind day in and day out. And uh, what a pleasure it is to do that for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, we like to see progress. We like to see results, and that's just human nature. That's natural. Paul even said that you know he that you know he that plows should plow in hope. That's exactly right. And so we're definitely living in a, a day and age where results are sometimes a little sketchy. Sometimes the 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 fruit of our labor is not always as visible as we'd like it to be. And so uh, I think that I always have to remind myself. I'm sure that you have to do the same thing. That at the end of the day. Regardless of what we see as results, we labor for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we just got to stay faithful to him. That's right. I'm not saying that there's we, we don't step back and say, hey, the results aren't what they are supposed to be or what we hope for them to be. Am I doing something wrong? Is there can I improve on what I'm doing? And I think that every leader ought to be able to ought to wisely reassess what we're doing and how we're doing it but uh, the bottom line at the end of the day we cannot compromise the word of god in order to get desired results and brother justin you see it i see it all around us uh pastors and churches caving in to the pressures of the world if we just if we just ignore a few things we'll we'll keep some families or we'll gain some families if we just just, you know, loosen up just a little bit. And, you know, my thought to that is, where do you stop with that? Mm -hmm. Because I've learned from experience, there's always going to be a battle at the line. No matter where you draw the line, there's going to be a battle at it. And so um, my advice uh, to everyone, uh, whether you're a preacher or a Christian or not, is if it's right, then fight. Fight for the line, you know, have a standard. And I believe the standard is the Bible and uh, the principles of God's word. We ought to stand for it and just let God take care of the rest. Amen. Anytime we are outside the boundaries of the word of God, we are on dangerous grounds. And that goes for preachers to the pulpit, you know, anybody in those in those pews. Um, And that's where, you know, as far as as other people doing what they do to be able to draw in a crowd. Uh, one reminder that uh, everyone needs to be very clear about is that we're all going to stand before him one day. Yeah, that's and, right. And he has given us his word. Yeah. And we're all going to give an account 
on how we lived our life, the choices that we that that we made, how we led, how we were in the pulpit, how we were as pastors, how we were as laymen's, no matter where we were or where we are, we're going to stand before uh, the true and living judge one day, and uh, it will the the story will be told then, and yeah. then we will not be able to have an excuse before um, the Almighty. So. Um, as far as you and I go, you know, and those that are listening, a word of encouragement is not to be caught up in numbers, not to get caught up on the things that are going on around us. Just, just stay focused on what God has called us to do, what yeah. God has us placed, and let's enjoy the journey. Yeah, you know, because you know, there's much joy in it. Absolutely, and like you said, there's a spiritual side of this that, at the end of the day, we've got to stand before God. Amen. But on a practical basis, here's something that I have, uh, I've seen it over the years, and that's this: people say, "Well, preacher, you can draw more flies with honey than you can vinegar." True. But at the end of the day, you just end up with a bunch of flies. Yes, exactly right. And so a lot of these churches that are compromising and, you know, they end up with just constant struggle and revolving door and carnality and problems. It's just not worth it. We're better off doing God's work God's way. Amen. I'm looking forward to after the break, folks. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Randy Mitchell here, joined by Pastor Justin Kemmer of Southview Baptist Church. Today, our topic, Brother Justin, is something I'm pretty excited about. I love it. And I have observed over the years that many Christians, many churches either do two things with this topic. They either neglect it or they misunderstand it. Mm -hmm. And I think probably in our crowd, it's probably more misunderstood than it is neglected. And what is that topic? We're going to be talking today about the grace of God. Amen. One of my favorite topics to talk about because, you know, I'm here because of the grace of God. Yes, absolutely. I'm saved on my way to heaven. My life has been rescued from the mess that I was making of it. Amen. Even times when I try to make a mess of my life again because of my sin nature, the grace of God is always what comes to my rescue. And no matter how many times that I try and fail, and I do, um, God always is faithful and his his grace is always sufficient. And I'm so thankful for that. I've got a list of Bible verses here, Brother Justin. I don't have any necessary pathway that I want to go. But I'm just going to take these verses as the Holy Spirit leads us. The first one that I wanted to bring out this morning is the first place that the grace of God appears in the Bible, and that is with Noah. Genesis 6, 8 says, found grace. But Noah found grace Amen. in the eyes of the Lord. I love it. I remember a preacher, Sammy Allen. You probably have heard I, of Sammy yes. Allen. When I was a young preacher, I heard him preaching, and he, he quoted that verse. He says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And mm-hmm. he said, don't you suppose maybe he was looking for it? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot of truth to that, that um, we find what we're looking for. And if we're looking for the grace of God, we might, might indeed just find it. You know, an interesting concept about Noah, God gives all of his pedigree and talks about how that he was a, a righteous man, a just man, preacher of righteousness. Absolutely. God lists all of these wonderful things about Noah But then at the end it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I draw some conclusions to that, that no matter how uh, how righteous or how good we are, 
we still fall short of the glory of God. Amen. And uh, as Isaiah said, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags if we compare who we are to who God is. Abraham was a very righteous, a good man. But Romans says that if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. That's exactly right. And so God is holy, and God has a, a standard of holiness that none of us can live up to. I don't care how great that we are or that we think that we are. Uh, just as Noah, Noah had to find grace in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. And uh, he found it. He was seeking for it. Uh, that's what I want to do is I just want to seek for God's grace because I certainly need it. Amen. And, you know, I think one of the, the biggest parts of understanding grace is understanding that it's a, it's a, it's a characteristic of God. Without God, we don't have grace. And, you know, just like the very first verse that it's found, the very beginning, which is what Genesis stands for, is first mentioned. It's always good to refer to where any of those things are, mm-hmm. are mentioned in the Bible when you do a topical study uh, to go to the book of Genesis. But he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, those, those ver- that very wording tells us that, it, that where it was found. And it was found in in the Lord, mm-hmm. and people are trying to find and seek things in so many different things in this world, right? And um, but if you're if we understand grace, we got to understand number one that it's it's a characteristic of God, and it can only be found in God. Yeah, you know, we may have some listeners that they they've heard they've sang Amazing Grace. They've you know, grace is a religious term to them but some maybe don't even understand the definition of what it means. Mm-hmm. Now, I study the Bible and I see, I see basically two different definitions that are connected. They're not separate, but there's two different aspects of the grace of God. The first one is the one that most people are aware of. Unmerited as, favor. That is right. Unmerited favor. God looks down upon us in favor even though we don't deserve it. I, you've heard the acrostic, I'm sure, of grace, G-R-A-C-E. Someone said that it's God's riches at Christ's expense. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily a definition, but boy, it sure is a good it's statement. Good. I Amen. love it because yeah. it's so true about the grace of God, God's riches at Christ's expense. But there's a, a second uh, terminology, a second definition that the Bible teaches about the grace of God, and I would kind of put it in a nutshell as this. It's God doing for us or in us or through us something that we cannot do for ourselves. Absolutely. That's the grace of God. Uh, Unmerited favor is for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. That's unmerited favor. The same token, Paul the Apostle said, um, he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. 1 Corinthians 15.10. That is right. And I want to talk more about that a little bit later, but it's just basically saying God can do (laughs) it. In fact, it talks about grace even in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 when it talks about giving. Yes. Giving money according to the grace of God. God wanting to allow us to give money that our checkbook says that we can't even give. And yet he provides it, as one preacher said, God will give more through you than he will give to you. And uh, I've experienced that in my Christian life. I've heard testimonies from many other people who made uh, missions pledges or, you know, maybe it's like, hey, I really can't afford to pay my tithes. 
but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to do it anyways. And I, I've, I've not seen any exceptions yet, but what God didn't provide the need when he was honored and put first. Amen. And, you know, you bring up a very, very valid point and and understanding, you know, the completeness of the grace of God, you know, without Christ, without being born again, without being saved, grace is is in the Lord. And when we put our trust and our faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by our faith in the finished work of Calvary's cross and the Holy Spirit of God abides in us and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, that's when God and the characteristics of God can flow through us, through the Holy Spirit. And that's when allowing the fruit of the Spirit to come forth out of us in our lives. And um, exactly what you just said in the fullness of the grace of God, realizing that it's in God to begin with. Yeah. When we are born again and then the Holy Spirit abides within us and now we are Christians, which are to be Christ-like, and that Spirit of God allowing that fruit to flow through us to be able to show the grace of God to others that are out there, you know, for them to come to the same saving knowledge that we have through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Now, in light of what you just said, um, I wanted to read this next verse. John 1.17 says, For the law was given by mm-hmm. Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Amen. We have here a contrast, all right? And you got to be careful with that contrast. God is contrasting the grace and truth that came by Jesus Christ to the Old Testament law. That doesn't mean that there wasn't truth in the Old Testament, because all of the Old Testament is the truth. Amen. The law was the truth of God doesn't mean that there wasn't grace in the Old Testament. We just read about Noah, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But the grace that comes through Jesus Christ is so far superior, it excels anything that God had demonstrated thus far, as far as grace is concerned. It excels it so much that God presents it as if it's a contrast. Mm-hmm. Yes, there was grace and truth in the Old Testament, but compare it to what we have in Jesus Christ. It's almost it's almost not even comparable. Absolutely. And Romans 6:14 says, "For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace." Mm-hmm. And we see just like what exactly what you're saying, God give us the law for us to be to us to identify who we truly are. And we're all uh, unrighteous. We are all sinners. And that law shows us that line that of, of, of it makes it equal for all that have been created, right? right? And we see that through the law. And thank God for the law. Thank God for uh, a, a God in heaven who reveals that to us. Mm-hmm. And But thanks be unto God that he sent his only begotten son to the cross of Calvary and to be able to show his grace through his son which is uh, Romans 5, 8, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And he put that on display for us to be able to have and that because of what Jesus Christ done, because of what uh, Christ uh, uh, done for us all Mm -hmm. and through his marvelous grace, how much superior that is than the law itself. And and that's why if, if, if you don't understand the grace of God, there's a lot of things in this life that don't make Makes sense. sense. They're no, right. They seem unjust. That's right. How can somebody who's committed horrible sins, horrible crimes against humanity, uh, can even be in a prison cell and mm-hmm. the preacher go and preach to them in, you know, in a chaplain meeting there in the prison and preach to them Jesus Christ. That's right. And that horrible person repent ask Jesus Christ to save them. Mm-hmm. And we can honestly say if they're genuine, they're on their way to heaven. That's right. 
And yet there are good, good neighbors, good people, good religious people that have never truly put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ that, according to the Scripture, they're on their way to hell. Mm-hmm. If you don't understand the grace of God, none of that makes sense. That's right. But what we have to understand, grace is God's unmerited favor. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter. None of us can merit it. No. The, the best human being compared to the worst human being, at the end of the day, we're all sinners. Amen. And hell is a literal place. It, listen, if you, if you picture heaven as a ladder that you're climbing to get into heaven, and that ladder goes, and let's say that you, you fall a hundred rungs short, and then you fall into hell. If you miss it by one rung, you, you still it. missed it. Yeah. And so that's where they say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and God's looking for a sinner. And so the, the horrible sinner that repents and trusts Jesus Christ is better off than the self-righteous person that thinks, well, I'm okay, I'm a mm-hmm. good person. They're deceived in their pride and arrogance, and they think that I'm good enough, and they're going to find out. You know, at the end of the day, why did, why did Jesus die on the cross if we could earn it, if we could be That's good right. enough? And uh, that's if you understand the holiness of God, only then will you really understand the value of the grace of God. Which is why Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is so impactful. Mm-hmm. For by grace through faith are you saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God Yeah, through Christ Jesus our Lord. And thank the Lord for that. And thank the Lord that um, uh, that there can be a simple understanding that if man gets past his pride and we can understand that we're all sinners. Yeah. None. There's no big eyes. There's no little U's. We're all sinners. That and is thanks right. God for the grace of God. After the break, I know people are saying, well, so you're just saying that if you're saved by the grace of God, you can sin all that you want. Oh, no. Hang <laughs> tight. We're going we're gonna to talk about that after the break. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Welcome back. We're talking about the grace of God here with Pastor Justin Kemmer. And we talked a little bit about how that no matter what level of sinner a person is, they can get saved. Why? Because the grace of God is unmerited favor. No one deserves his salvation. And Amen. so... Many people, when I see the grace of God, uh, I know I teach, and I see it clearly from the Bible, a teaching that the world knows as eternal security, meaning that I'm saved by the grace of God. I didn't do anything to get my salvation, and that means that uh, it's a gift that God gave. I can't do anything to lose that salvation. I'm regenerated. I'm born again. Mm -hmm. My soul has been cut loose, according to Colossians, an operation made without hands, a spiritual circumcision, if you will. My soul has been cut loose from my body, and the things that I do in my body do not affect. Well, they affect, but they don't infect my soul. Mm -hmm. God looks down upon us as Christians if we're born again, and he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see me as I am. He sees his son's righteousness. It's imputed unto us. And so because of that, we are eternally secure. Now, the religious world, and I I, I don't mean this in any way to be uh, ugly or 
uh, insulting, but the uh, arrogant, self-righteous world out there. Most people think that all that's just religious people, but somebody who thinks that they're good enough to uh, stand before God and God's going to say, yeah, I weighed your good works and your bad works, that's Mm self-righteousness. I I don't view my salvation that way. I, I, I don't view that my salvation is because I've preached the gospel or I've been faithful in this or that. It's it's all in what Jesus did Amen. on the cross of Calvary, plus nothing, minus nothing. That's exactly right. But the world hears what we have to say, and that they say, well, according to you then, I can get saved and go to heaven, and I can send all that I want. Mm-hmm. Even back in the Apostle Paul's days, he dealt with that. Absolutely. Uh, because the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And especially those law-abiding uh, Jewish believers, they had a hard time figuring out this grace of God thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul dealt with it in Romans chapter 6. And he said in verse 1 and 2, he says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How mm-hmm. shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then in Romans 6:15, just a few verses later, he says, What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Mm-hmm. God forbid. And so what people don't realize is that the grace of God is God's unmerited favor, but it's also God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. When the grace of God comes into our life and saves us, it changes us. Amen. Just like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, verse number 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so a lot of people, even Christians, don't fully understand and appreciate the doctrine of the grace of God. Amen. And, you know, the... Uh, the identification of who we are after being born again is a Christian. And that title uh, that we carry is to be Christ-like. And as I began this this conversation, uh, the very grace is the characteristic of God. And once we have our salvation and once we have the Holy Spirit abiding inside of us, we our life is is controlled by the Holy Spirit and the Master and the Lord that we have turned to. Mm-hmm. We are no longer our Master. We are no longer our Lord. Our Lord now has become the one who's created it all. Mm-hmm. And so people uh, have the argument that, oh, well, you can get saved and you can go out and live however you want. Uh, if, 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 you, if you don't understand salvation, you don't understand the Lordship and what it is to be born again, uh, sure, you can have that ideology, but the Holy Ghost that I have living inside of me, and, and I know that those that are living their life, we can't do that because that Holy Ghost inside of us convicts us uh, for the, the wrongdoings or the wrong thoughts or the wrong actions. And it may not be instantly. It may be a couple of days later when he's really yeah. uh, rolling, you know, really working on us uh, to be able to get things right. And it may be over time. Mm-hmm. And um, but Conviction chastisement or reaping what we sow. That's exactly right. And, you know, so it it really boils down to um, as that new creature in Christ, as the Bible tells us that once we've been born again, we become a new creature. Once that grace of God, once we see that grace of God as Noah saw that grace of God, um, we see life in a completely different way. Life begins to make more sense to us. And we understand that we need to be living our lives for God. 
You know, mm-hmm. and if I'm living my life for God, then that means that I'm not going to be going out making some of these decisions that I can live my life right. however I want to. And that goes to very simple things like uh, church attendance mm-hmm. and being faithful to church. I've been having this conversation and this culture that is around us today. Oh, I can stay at home and I can watch church on social media. That's that's a tool for us to use. And I thank the Lord for that, for our shut-ins and our elders and those who really can't be there. But at the end of the day, the Bible, com- the Lord tells us and commands us, as you see the day approaching, mm-hmm. then guess what? Not forsaking the assembly of yourself right. together. He's my Lord. He's my master. Guess who I should listen to? That is I should right. listen to him. And, and when I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just saying that this is this encompasses, you know, who we truly are now. Mm-hmm. And that is being seen in the full package of the grace of God and that he is our Lord, that he is our master. And He, if he is truly that, in us, I can't go live however I want to. That, I am his. Well, that is right. I, I like what one preacher said. He said, uh, well, people say you can get saved and sin all that you want. He said, look, you get saved, you're going to sin a whole mm-hmm. lot more than you want because there's something that changed. Amen. The grace of God works inside of us. And I know when I, I got I got saved by the grace of God when I was real little. But then when I got into high school, I, I went away from God and I backslid and But when I got right with God when I was 19, just before I turned 20, God's grace did something. I I was before that I would go to church and I was so disinterested in Mm -hmm. it. I just endured it. I couldn't wait till it was over so I could go home and watch the football game. And I just endured it when the grace of God, when I opened up my heart and received God's grace, all of a sudden now I was upset that it was over. I wanted more. Yeah that change of heart. It wasn't like, oh, I have to go to church. It was like, I get to go to church. I can't wait. I've got a hunger for the Word of God. I experienced that change. And for those of you that are listening, if you've never experienced that, the grace of God is out there, and He he will change your heart and your desires so that the things of God aren't a big drag and a big bummer. There's something that you really, truly desire. And so the grace of God, I think about this verse, Brother Kimmer, Titus 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. Verse 12, listen, folks, teaching us, what's teaching us? The grace of God's teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. There's um, There's a teaching out in modern culture today, in modern, even independent Baptists, mm-hmm. It's a perversion of the grace of God. Uh, it's all around us. I, I can, I'm not going to name any churches, but there are here, I could name a handful easy in our community where they have uh, misrepresented the grace of God, and it's almost a reverse legalism. Uh, preachers like us who get up in the pulpit and preach against sin talk about standards of holiness. I mean, anything that's practical or personal in someone's Christian life, they call us haters, judgmental, Pharisees, etc. Mm-hmm. And what it is, is it's a reverse legalism. And they are not only just being compromising and worldly in their life, but they're actually preaching against those who are preaching God's standard right. of holiness and righteousness. Listen, I, I don't believe in self-righteousness. I believe that a Christian ought to live right, dress right, walk right, listen to the right things, do the right things, go to church on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I believe all of those things. None of those things have anything to do with our salvation. They have to do with our obedience to the Lord, our relationship with him, and our desire to please him. 
If you're saved by the grace of God, God's already put that desire in you. You just have to follow him. And when we go astray, we repent of it. To remove the standard, to lower the bar uh, of Christianity so, you know, anybody can just jump over it. Well, we have just done, we've done a lot of disrespect to the grace of God. Mm -hmm. What we've said is that, hey, we believe in your grace, God. But we believe that your grace is just to, at the end of the day, everything's okay no matter how I live my life. That is a perversion of the grace of God. Yeah, and, you know, again, with with my outlook is, is again, where's the Holy Spirit in that? Mm-hmm. Where's the conviction? Where's the chastisement? And, you know, the only addition I would add to what you just said and, and the verse that you read is the teaching of the Holy Spirit. All of us learn differently. All of us learn at a different pace. That's why being in a church is so important. That's why Bible devotion is so important. Bible study is so important. And it takes time. Once we get saved, we're not tapped with a fairy wand and poof, we become the perfect Christian. Right. You know, these things in which you just listed are, you know, all correct, but People until people come to the realization and have convictions over it themselves, and this uh, this illumination, this knowledge becomes real of God's character and why we should be the way that we are. They're not going to change. Mm-hmm. But you know, I want to go back to the one of the first verses we opened up with is chapter 15 in First Corinthians in verse number 10. It says, "But by the grace of God, I am what I am." This is who I am now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not living outside of these bounds. I'm not adding anything to this. I'm not taking away from it. By the grace of God, this is who I am now. And as a child of God, when we get a full knowledge or a, a knowledge of the grace of God and we understand that now we are not ours, but we are his and the very characteristics of God should be shown in our outward appearance as much as it is in our inward appearance and that the very fruit of the Spirit should flow through us. Mm -hmm. It is who we are. And it takes all of these discussions and it puts an end to them. Because outside of the grace of God and outside of who we are, if we really are being who who we are as 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 Christ-like people, yeah. then that's what we're going to be, and that's going to be who we are, and that's how we're going to live our lives. Well, and as they say, there's ditches on both sides of the road. I was talking about the ditch where you've got churches and preachers that are perverting the grace of God, saying, hey, you're saved by grace. God doesn't care how you live or what you do and blah, blah, blah. That's a ditch on one side, and then you have the ditch on the other side where you have the preacher that's preaching it true. Right. He's standing for the things that are biblical and right, but when he walks down off of the pulpit, he thinks that it's his job to create change in people's hearts. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to intimidate them or browbeat them into obeying his preaching and so forth. And so, yeah, you've got the liberals on one ditch, compromisers, and then you've got genuine Pharisees. And I know our crowd, so to speak, the Bible-believing crowd, because we are passionate about truth, if we're not careful, it can lend toward genuine Phariseeism. I don't want to be in either one of those ditches. No. I want to do God's work God's way because God's grace can get the job done. We preach it true, preach it straight, and then get out of God's way. Amen. Stay tuned for After the Break.
Welcome back. This is our final segment this morning on Salt and Light. Uh, we trust that you have been blessed Amen. by what we've been talking about. Wonderful Myself, topic. Pastor Justin Kemmer, we've been talking about the grace of God. And Brother Kemmer, I have been thoroughly enjoying this. Uh, this last segment, I want to talk a little bit more about the practical aspect, how we as Christians we're saved by the grace of God. And for anyone listening, if you're not saved, you need to get saved Amen. by the grace of God. Today That's is the day. Absolutely. But for those of you that are listening that you are saved by the grace of God, you need to understand how the grace of God works in your life on a practical daily basis. Brother Kimmer, you mentioned 1 Corinthians 15 right before uh, this last break. I want to read the entire verse because the second part of the verse is so relevant to what we're talking about here this morning. 1 Corinthians 15 verse number 10, the Apostle Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. But then he goes on to say, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. It wasn't wasted. But he says, Hallelujah. I labored more abundantly than they all. All right. He's not bragging here, mm -hmm. you know, but he's making an honest assessment that, hey, God didn't waste his grace on me. I labored more than the rest of them. That's right. But then he finishes up with this statement, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Amen. Paul had the perfect understanding of the balance of the combination of God's grace, God's sovereignty and man's free will. Mm -hmm. God's grace does not work contrary to our will, like some of the Reformed theologians say, this irresistible grace that God just overwhelms you with it, but rather the Bible teaches that God's grace works in conjunction, in cooperation with man's will. Uh, listen, we have faith. We all have enough faith to believe in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. But it's not our faith that saves us. It's the power of God and the grace of God. But God enacts upon that when we, by faith, trust and believe. We have that ability to make that decision. The same thing goes in our daily Christian life. We can approach it with self-effort, thinking, okay, the preacher told me how I'm supposed to live, and now out of my character and my diligence, I'm going to go about and do it. I have learned from experience that... I always fail when I approach it from that attitude and that mentality. My own labor, my willpower is never sufficient, but yet God doesn't do it without my will Absolutely. desiring for God to do something. And so that combination, it's a theological concept that God gives us in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but it's something that works practically in our life. Amen. And, you know, I think that oftentimes we we go through topics like this or we look at the christian life and the, and the christian and the christian walk and these things in which we're discussing are too far-fetched to be able to obtain them right mm -hmm. like are you serious that i can actually live my life and i can be overwhelmed by the grace of god and i can do this you know by the grace of god and you know that these things almost seem like it's a it's a it's a a fairy tale if you will and I think that if we understand that Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, who have a lot of issues, a lot of things being straightened out, Paul himself, Acts chapter 9, the great, uh, the great salvation that he received uh, in Acts chapter number 9, that he was a murderer, that he was one of the elite in the re religious crowd on his way to be able to go get more Christians. Yeah. And so when you put these things together, the practicality of it is, and uh, uh, hallelujah, 
Uh, I'm getting tore up just thinking about the practicality <laughs> of it is is that God can use anybody. Yeah. And that that the grace of God is so magnificent and so wonderful that God would allow a part of his character to be in us and to be used through us for his honor, for his glory, so that his will could be done, mm-hmm. which makes life uh, understandable that we do have a purpose and that we do have a plan and that we can do that through and by the grace of God. You know, I am here today Amen. not only as a preacher, but on the radio. Uh, my wife knows this story. I, I am not a, um, I'm not a guy who likes to be in front of people. I don't like to be the center of attention. If it would have been up to me, uh, when I got right with God and I said, God, my life is yours, I would have been thrilled if God would have said, okay, I want you to go labor in the corner and just mind your own business and, uh, you know, leave everybody alone and everybody will leave you alone. I would have been, that would have been my personality. But God says, I want you to preach. And I'm like, are you sure? (laughs) You know, I hate getting in front of people. I still don't thrill about it. I'm still very self-conscious, very self-aware don't like being the center of attention. I, I'm way more comfortable with it than I used to be. Mm-hmm. But in my personality, it's one of those things that's like, I can't do that. Amen. Radio ministry is even more so. My wife knows the story. Uh, my pastor in Idaho uh, went through a battle with cancer, and he had uh, a little radio broadcast, and he said, he said, Brother Mitchell, I need you to sub in for me on this. Brother Kimmery, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm doing recordings, and it's just like, <laughs> you know, retake, rewind, you know, re-record. <laughs> I mean, I'm just fumbling all over everything. And, how, and no matter how many times I tried, it's just like, hey, I, I, this, I just don't have this in me. Uh, how many years ago, my father-in-law in Asheville, he had WKJV radio station. He said, Brother Andy, I want you to come and spend a week here and help us with our share well, I'm like, you know, no way. You know, I don't think it's God's will. So I, I tried to get out of it. And for some reason, he was persistent. And he was in, you know, that age in life where it's like, hey, I don't want to let him down. He's the old man of God. He's invested in me. And so I, I yielded. I just gave in to it. It's like, okay, I'll go die those thousand deaths. And mm-hmm. literally, I did. It was a, like a thousand deaths. And it's like, I hate every minute of this. I can't wait till the week is over. But something inside of me, I felt that somehow God was in it. Mm-hmm. And so I submitted to it. I surrendered to it. And by the end of the week, something strange happened. Uh, I got over some of that self-consciousness. And I started thinking that, wow, God's blessing this. God's in this. And it was after that that God put in my heart to have this salt and light radio broadcast. And now I, I look forward to it. I enjoy yeah. the conversational aspect. I don't get all stressed about it like I used to. And um, you would have never even, you, you would not minimize the grace of God if you would have known inside what's going on inside of these two ears here, mm-hmm. between my ears, before God's grace. And it was a, it was a process. It didn't happen overnight. Right. That's how God's grace works in our life. Mm-hmm. In conjunction with our will, we yield to the Holy Spirit's leadership, and then we watch God do for us, to us, and through us what we could not ever do for ourselves. I I am a living testimony that God's grace is very, very real and sufficient. Amen. And you know, that's why it's so important for us to understand what it is to crucify the flesh, as Paul talked about in our lives and how we need to consistently do it. And that's the... 
you know, one of the one of the great and wonderful parts of the Christian walk is when we start allowing God to give the increase and for us to decrease in our lives. And we understand that it's not in our strength, but really in our weakness when we become strong. And all of this that I just said ties into the very fact that that's when the grace of God is shown forth in people's lives and that we show forth the very characteristic of God, which is um, so wonderful to be able to do. And um, so many times in my life to where, you know, honestly, where you you learn to be able to get out of the way, you know, and let God be God. It's not Mm -hmm. about us. That's right. It's about him. It's not about our wisdom and our knowledge. It's about what God has for us. It's about the grace of God and for the grace of God to be revealed. Amen. As we close the broadcast, Brother Cameron, there is one thing I see in the scripture that hinders the grace of God. It is not our personality. Mm -hmm. It is not our performance. There's one thing, and here's where it's at in the book of James. Actually, it appears in James 4 and 1 Peter 5. Here's the principle, folks. You need to get uh, get this in your heart. James 4, 6, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Amen. The one thing that interferes with God's grace working in our life is our pride. We have to humble ourselves before God. The only way that we will experience and receive the grace of God is when we do it with humility. Humility and repentance is, is really quite simple. It's just seeing ourselves the way that God sees us. Amen. Looking in the Bible and saying, you know what, God, you're right. I'm wrong. Mm. I'm going to take your side against me. Amen. That's what humility is all about. And when we do that from our heart, that's and that and only then is when we experience God's grace. We're about out of time. Any last thoughts, Brother Kemmer? Well, I mean, I think you're, you're ending it perfect. You know, we've got to understand that uh, it's all about getting out of the way and letting God being being who he is. And it is all about him and um, allowing him to to work in us and to work through us and uh, how wonderful the grace of God is. And I thank the Lord for the, the grace that he has bestowed upon me. And I thank the Lord that I am what I am today because of the grace of God. That is right. And James said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and he will lift you up. Amen. You know, it's we can indeed humble ourselves. Uh, I, I have had times where I have been humiliated. I have had times where uh, I have been humbled. But the best way to receive the grace of God is when we simply humble ourselves. That's the only way we can come to Christ is in humility confessing that we're a sinner. The same way we received Christ for our Savior is the same way we're supposed to walk with him each and every day of our lives. God bless you folks. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust Him as your Savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon Him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible. 
Get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.